It's not recorded. Yes, we know Zoom. Thank you very much. Is being, of course, our audience can't hear that. Of course they can't. You'd hope not. It'd be very disturbing if it was. Oh, yeah, that would be very really... jarring indeed. Hey, it was jarring the first time I heard it, but Your any case. jarring. <laughs> You're welcome. Catch! Uh... <laughs> the invisible knife is mine. Anyway. All right. All right. So, not foolishness. Welcome, one and all, on YouTube and in podcast land. You are listening to the Janji Kings. I wrote it. Welcome once again to the Tangent Kings podcast. I am, of course, your humble servant, G. Michael Francis. And I'm here with my partner in crime, the not pot smoking uh, J.J. Banks. How are you doing today, sir? How would you know if it wasn't pot? You know, that is a good question. You would I'm, have just, no, you I'm have giving no you the idea. benefit. I'm, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'll take it and run. But my dad was asking me that. Today. He walks in and so he's like, so it's like pot in here. I'm like, dad, that's not pot. He's like, oh. No, it's outside. I'm like, yep, that's outside, Dad. He's like, okay. He just kind of waddles off. It's like, thanks, Dad. Did I ever tell you what he called? Um, I asked him. He was so he was talking about. He was trying to remember who the president of the prime minister of Russia was, and he had said, <laughs> "I think he said something like of." I think he said Lenin. Or then he's like Pushkin or something. Poop Poopkin is that in his name? Uh, something Poopkin. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely it, Dad. You got? It. How'd you know? And he's like, oh yeah. And then the guy from from North Korea is like Chim Chim Kim Chimbuk Chu. And I'm like, is that what you think it is? He's like, isn't it? And I'm like, no, no, that's it's Kim Jong Un. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my I instantly cool. thought of Aristocats. Yeah, all the way to Timbuktu. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a hot second. Anyway, well, we got. I know we've got a fantastic guest on today. Uh, we for do. The show Mike. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we have up? our good friend, our Mister Spike. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> so, so Ooh, very sultry. No, like a cool cat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh did i really just do that yeah yeah you now you sound like you're from aristocrats maybe you should go back you can you can be those uh no wait that's uh what was it that's, that's oh you're talking uh, about the, the, the gang uh, yeah not the gang the, the i'm thinking of, i think of 101 dalmatians and then aristocrats aristocrats aristocats where it's like the two thug guys are trying to steal the puppies but that's dalmatians and they didn't have those in the cat movie. No, no, it was just everybody. Well, I was way off key. Uh, you actually said it out yeah. loud, so I'll throw you a bone there. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we got my friend uh, Spike on for the show, and he's uh, one of my friends. So he's a good intelligence analyst fellow, and he's going to talk just a little bit about 
so last week we were talked about for those you might have missed the episode we talked about um the military expansion of china specifically in the far east in the event of a uh, military confrontation with the u.s and uh what was requested for this week was that we talk about the economic one. So I thought, well, my friend Spike knows all about that. So let's have him on and tell us a little bit about what he knows about the situation there and maybe China's overall game plan uh, for expansion economically. That'll piggyback off of last week's topic. So we got a great bunch of uh, discussion and interview questions here. So um, we can hop right into that in a moment. Um, uh, but Mike, you said that there was one, a couple of things you wanted to mention as like a brief uh oh yeah, yeah news just, tidbits right yeah just something i didn't really expect right off the bat uh apparently as someone fairly well known has been outed not only as a pro-life christian but as a republican and as a trump supporter spike would you like to take a guess at who i am talking about is it alex jones no <laughs> is it helicopters is it is it Balex Bones? <laughs> no, I don't think he knows Mike, and I didn't know until you told me either. Because, well, it is none not... other than the granddaddy of Five Nights at Freddy's himself, Mister Scott Coffin. Well, what he, what exactly did he get ousted for? Like they just said, hey, you're. Uh, I don't support. know. It, I guess he just got doxxed, and it just sort of came out, and it just went out into the Twitter sphere, uh, coming from I guess from Reddit, and then he put out one. Re- his first response, he was like, yes, I'm a Republican, I'm a Christian, I am pro-life, I make no apologies. Now, granted, he seems to be, uh, if you actually read that for first full post, he's actually more of a libertarian. Okay. So, yeah, he's not like a rabid Catholic monarchist, uh, uh, like some people. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike, I have a question for you. Um, how would you define libertarianism? Libertarianism is a philosophy which centers pretty much uh, give the people as much liberty as possible, which uh, is face value. It's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Where I take issue is that uh, the libertarians, for the most part that I've met, take liberty to mean uh, do whatever you will, which from a Catholic perspective, especially a traditional Catholic perspective, Liberty is the ability to do what you ought to do. Mm-hmm. No, like for example, uh, I have children. I ought to raise them in the traditions that I was taught. You know, I have a gun. I ought to use that gun responsibly for the defense of house, home, and nation. Why are you petting a roll of toilet paper like Gollum pets the ring? reason got wacky a couple episodes ago mike uh could you narrow it down just a little bit when we had uh my friend Haley on we were talking about religion mike's like i was like wow i've never seen mike like this you must have had a lot oh (laughs) shut it (laughs) well i i i've um i haven't been the best of examples when i was drinking uh scotch on the show anyway so (laughs) I tease you, but I'm guilty of it too. Uh, ah, yes. When uh, when Jake had a sip of uh, what was it, scotch, whiskey? Yeah. And then Jameson. You... That that sweet JJ. <laughs> Jameson is not scotch. 
Well, it was initially it was Jameson when the early early episodes, and then I had some uh, a Nepo Castle later oh. on. So that's stronger stuff, mind you, a little bit better tasting. But needless to say, getting back to our getting into our main topic, obviously. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of questions for you, Mr. Spike. We're happy to get your thoughts on it. So without further ado, I'll start asking you a couple and then you give us your thoughts and we'll roll from there. Sound sure, good? but um, just let me uh, quickly make uh, a quick forward. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just introduce myself and give my my experience and areas of expertise, if, right. if any. Um, so firstly, I, I am indeed a intelligence analyst. I work for one of the uh, armed services and th my main job is to provide analysis for a particular um, ranking individual for the particular location that I'm stationed at. So that being said, these opinions and analysis and otherwise uh, are all going to be um, my own opinions, my own analysis, and they do not represent um, the thoughts, feelings, or other uh, types of analysis that the intelligence community may or may not have towards a particular topic or towards a particular country. So that all being said, uh, I do have some experience in the Pacific. I was formerly a air superiority intelligence analyst. Now I am a uh, air mobility intelligence analyst. Either way, um, those are facets of uh, all source intelligence analysis, which combines um, different types of uh, intelligence disciplines and kind of puts the pieces together, as it were, to uh, solve the puzzle um, for a particular topic, product, certain types of analysis, or otherwise. Okay. Well, you're, so what you're also saying, too, uh, to make a taken reference, that you have a particular set of skills as well. And I will kill your family. <laughs> okay. At least, at least we know in advance. Thank yep. you, sir. I will so, find you, and I will kill you. <laughs> you sound like Barney from uh, The Simpsons. Hey, I'm going to kill you. You must going to stab you in the butt. Oh, sorry, I forgot to close my head and tie tabs one second. Yo, anyway. What? Oh. It was a joke. He did a high-pitched voice. It's a joke. Oh my god! I broke Mike for the second time. This is like what the like, second time in an episode. I first set a new record. Anyway, Spike. So yeah, we've got a couple questions. So I'll just uh, at least ask I you have the bunch. satisfaction of knowing that I broke you at least three times during the whole series. It could be taking a multitude of ways. So yeah. So like we were talking about um, last week, we were talking about obviously China. So. One of the things that uh, was a viewer question was, what do we kind of know specifically, um, you know, that we're dealing with the Biden administration, obviously, what do we kind of know about the effects of Trump's trade wars on uh, China's economy specifically? How did that kind of affect them? So um, two things. One thing I, I also want to provide a, a little bit of a pretext is um, the uh, political uh, discussions that we uh, will have I do want to say that uh, I will attempt to remain as apolitical as possible, which is quite quite difficult in in the world that we live. You in say today. in a very blatantly conservative podcast. <laughs> yes. So, so with that in mind, um, despite the um, the pretext of the the podcast, I will mm -hmm. uh, have my own opinions as uh, as it were. So, uh, in regards to your question. Um, 
I think at this point in time, um, I, I know President Biden had uh, explicitly said uh, in his words, it's about only 120 days in. Let me uh, cut me some slack. <laughs> when Which he, he sounded like he became demon possessed for like two seconds. Yes. Um, so he, he was. He, I don't know if. You, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but as that, it sort of flashed in my mind. I, I don't know if you've seen like these FNAF tapes going around. And one of them is an interview from uh, uh, like an interview with Springtrap. It just, his voice kind of made me think of that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll just splice it in somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. But anyway, yes, continue, please. So um, really the the big things looking at it from not only the, the American perspective is looking at China's, um, looking at China's, uh, the impact of China, um, their economic policies that have proliferated throughout the international community, not just between the U.S. and China. Naturally, we are uh, one another's biggest trade partners, so that relationship is exceptionally important to the Chinese government. However, one of the largest economic programs, and Rico mentioned it in the past uh, podcast, <coughs> is China's One Belt, One Road initiative. And so uh, at this point in time, I believe it's over 160 countries have signed on to um, China's One Belt, One Road initiative. And in case you haven't heard what that is, it's a massive infrastructure and um, economic um, policy, if you will, uh, and movement, uh, I dare so far as to, to say. Uh, that the Chinese government is using to uh, expand Chinese influence throughout not only the Pacific, but also throughout Eurasia, throughout uh, Africa, and even into some parts of South America too. <coughs> and so with the One Belt, One Road uh, initiative, otherwise known as OBOR, or um, a couple of other names too, the... Um, it's, it's twofold. So the belt of the One Belt run, One Road is a series of railway networks. There'll be a series of highways, pipelines, um, other land-based infrastructure spreading across Eurasia. So it'll be connecting China to Europe proper. Mm. Um, the road, as uh, odd as it sounds, you'd think it would be the belt with actual roadways, but the road itself under the One, one Belt, One Road initiative is the um, ser series of ports and uh, sea lines of communication um, through the South China Sea, through the Malacca Strait, through the Indian Ocean, uh, and even over um, to um, some parts of Eastern Africa. Mm -hmm. So extending and um, solidifying sea lines of communication throughout all those different areas and building ports, building um, solid, um, solid and secure sea lines so that the Chinese government has a, a stable economic network through what they call the string of pearls, which is a, again, a series mm. of ports, multiple different names for multiple of the same things. Mm -hmm. Are you confused yet? Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, could, could you uh, break those? $20 words into like $5 <laughs> words. Oh. He got excited. So, so um, yes, um, the $20, the $5 version of the $20 words, one belt, one road is 
China spending a lot of money in places that uh, the governments probably can't pay for it. Mm. So one of China's strategies is... Oh, um, the the strategy they've been using for the past 60 years, slave labor. Uh, Well, uh, oddly enough, the Chinese um, government has changed a significant amount over the past 30 years. And likewise, their military has as well. And so um, what I was saying, though, um, what the strategy that the, the Chinese use uh, for some of these uh, lower GDP countries is what's called debt trap diplomacy. <coughs> and I'll use one of the main examples that I typically use is um, Sri Lanka, for example. And I think Rico had mentioned it uh, in the prior podcast, too. So you take um, a uh, high-ranking government official from China who then makes the offer to a, uh, another country. Usually it's low income. So you have Sri Lanka, Pakistan, you have the Philippines, you have um, Central Asian states like uh, Kyrgyzstan, um, Kazakhstan, uh, whatever and what have you. Countries I couldn't name on a geography test. <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, who can? Is it in Antarctica? Is it in Europe? We don't know. It moves all around. No, but, but there's always the one getting clapped in. I, I know exactly where that is. It sounds oddly like you, Mike. Oh, shut <laughs> So the intent, so like you were saying, Spike, just to reiterate, so the intent is to go to these lower income nations and build up some level of infrastructure for them and put them in debt as a result so that that gives them negotiating and bargaining power um in the future correct doing my job for me yes sir that's exactly that's exactly how it is um and so it's called debt trap for a reason so pakistan has um several billion dollars worth of debt and they are likely to continue to be uh to be in debt for the foreseeable future. And so when mm-hmm. then when a, a country like China comes in and offers to build highways and infrastructure and offer them 5G and offer to build ports and offer to build uh, and offer to build all these different things that suddenly have cost overruns, which is like the example that I was going to use in Sri Lanka. So Sri Lanka, the Chinese came in, built a port and said that they were going to build a port for a particular price then all of a sudden there's cost overruns and then it costs twice as much and three times as much. And then before you know it, the Sri Lankan government cannot afford with an entire year's worth of GDP to build this port. So what, what's the deal that has to be made? Well, come back to the bargaining table with the Chinese and all right, well, you can't afford the port. Fine. We'll continue to build it, but you need to hand over the port for the next 99 years. Oh, I get it now. Wonderful. So now you have a similar strategy where... So now you have a deal you can't refuse. Exactly. So with the way that we have expanded American influence throughout the world is by becoming involved in one way or another with world conflicts. So that wasn't initially established in World War II where the bases that we established in Japan, many of them are still in existence today and we still remain at those bases. In the same way, we're um, at many of the same bases in Europe too. Diego mm-hmm. Garcia, 
you have Germany, Spain, France, our NATO partners, Turkey. I think, I think we just recently opened a base somewhere in Poland, <coughs> if I'm not greatly mistaken. Uh, that very well could be the case. I haven't heard anything. Um, I, I remember I reading a news article. It, it was either the U.S. Army opening a base in Poland, I think, outside of Krakow. But I, I think I, I think they also also uh, hmm, I think the Polish Army also wanted to open open a new base and funny enough call it Fort Trump. Uh, <laughs> I, I did I did hear the 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 grumblings of that um, previously. Mm-hmm. But so debt trap diplomacy, the one belt one road initiative, are both ways that China has uh, kind of circumvented, if you will, um, trade policies of the U.S. is to now work around the u.s as it mm-hmm. were so, is it is it almost in a way would you say it's almost to subvert the u.s in some ways I, i'd say so so yeah. the, one of the biggest um reasons why <coughs> the chinese are uh, beating us in the economics not only the economic sense but also in the military sense is they have um you know understood that in many cases, we kind of hold back our own, um, we like establish sanctions and we have all these tariffs and all these different uh, trade war policies with certain countries that we as the superpower, since we have such a, we had such a far lead that it meant so much for some of these smaller countries like Iran that there was uh, tariffs placed against them or otherwise. However, if China, as they now are the up and coming, now they're kind of starting to level off with us um, in terms of economic prowess, um, regional influence, and uh, GDP, that now it matters less that um, we establish these sanctions and tariffs uh, on these smaller countries when China is willing to go to the bargaining table with those countries. So in a way that it almost by us, by the U.S. having some of these policies in a way with with us closing a hand to one country, China can open a hand. And then that basically (laughs) means that 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 country has stronger ties and can get what it wants now from China. Exactly. And so uh, you see that, too, especially throughout the um, the pandemic is um the Russians are guilty of this too, which is uh, vaccine diplomacy. Mm-hmm. So, um, great example: the uh, Russians um, earlier this year had offered to produce their uh, Sputnik vaccine in mm-hmm. Italy under a license. Oh, that's so a that's creative the, name, uh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So the um, Italian government is now producing the Russian Sputnik vaccine. Uh, And that's the very first time that Russia has ever exported a good or commodity to be produced in Europe, not only by uh, the EU or even in Europe, but as uh, for NATO as a whole. So that's one foot in the door for the Russians to now produce other goods or commodities in Europe and then kind of establish more of a regional influence so the russians have expanded their influence in that capacity and likewise china is doing the same thing 
Uh, they're offering vaccines to African countries, to uh, South Pacific, um, or I'm sorry, the uh, South Asian Pacific countries, um, even South American countries too. Mm. Or, or 5G. I mean, you can you can put X diplomacy, 5G diplomacy. You could put uh, vaccine diplomacy, debt trap diplomacy. You mm-hmm. can put um, hentai diplomacy, <laughs> anime uh, diplomacy. <laughs> what kind of depraved world do we live in? <laughs> All the Discord uh-huh. mods are just like, I want some of that. But that's really uh, interesting. Yeah, especially with a president who now is looking through his notes saying, how do I say, here's my lunch money in Russian? Uh, <laughs> Well, it's, inter- it's interesting too, because what one thought I kind of came to mind too is, do you think, and I, obviously Russia is not your area of expertise, but just out of curiosity, do you think- How that do you the, know? <laughs> I If you are, then fantastic. But um, uh, well, my question was that, do you think that Russia, it, you know, do they have the capacity for maybe a long-term project to maybe uh, create something like a Belt and Road, One Belt, One Road initiative? Um to the same degree, or is that something that kind of uniquely um, China's in an economic position to really pull off, do you think? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say that the something like the, the BRI OBOR, um, One Belt, One Road, is something that can necessarily be copied um, and have it work out for the country attempting to emulate um, emulate that. So for the Russians, could they do it? Maybe, but the Russians have other priorities. So one of the biggest things that the Russians are dealing with is their aging population. Their, uh, if you look on kind of a graph of the population of Russia, most of their population is very, very old. And likewise, they don't have, they have a very large um, male to female ratio. So, uh, unfortunately, the Russians have also identified, which I I guess is good for them, that their population is going to be declining. So uh, that's one of their their problems. China has a similar problem, just like Japan has that problem, too. But and (coughs) add on top of that, that the ruble is virtually worthless. Hey, I mean, the U.S. dollar isn't doing too well either. <laughs> True, but I, I think the Russian ruble, their vernacular dollar, is worth five cents by, by the last uh, uh, numbers I looked at. Well, hey, this is a great opportunity to tell you to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that world leaders are trying to ban Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. Hey, Tanzania, I think, just... Uh, all i'm saying is if the south secedes again i'm saying if i'm not saying that i'm not necessarily saying i would support it i'm Uh saying if they do i establish bitcoin as the official currency just to piss the world leaders off you want to spike i was gonna ask you to speaking of bitcoin um i heard in uh, some uh by some one crazy guy i used to listen to a lot say that uh Apparently, Bitcoin is the invention of Putin to destabilize and eventually destroy the dollar in some capacity. What do you think of that? Sometimes I poop and I don't wipe. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. It's also, I definitely wipe every time I poop. 
Yes, thank you for I'm, I'm, thank you for I'm, the clarity. Is that a position condoned by the branch of the military you're in? Wouldn't you like to know? He doesn't even answer one way or the other. Um, but yeah, no, jokes aside, though, that's that's really interesting, though, because... That, that fake news has somehow made it into this podcast? Oh, what a surprise. But uh, not that specifically, but just like what you were saying earlier with China was just that... <sighs> I mean the belt, uh, the the Belt and Road Initiative. You know, I, I, a few months ago, I was, I was looking at a couple of their expansion plan for trying to create a hypothetical connect. Like they're not, I don't know what their process is on doing it, but they're thinking about building some kind of a canal in Europe, and there are a lot of problems with it. I don't remember specifically where, but the particular video I was watching was discussing how they want this longer land-based trade route. Um, which are definitely expanding very quickly. Like Jeez. the Silk Road? Yeah, it's like they've done this before. The thing I was going to wow. ask you... The, th the thing I was going <laughs> to ask you was that, do you think that one of the reasons why they're expanding economically is because they're planning on some kind of massive-scale war in the next coming future? <laughs> well, now, why would the Chinese want to go to war? That's my question to you. Or for either of you. Yeah. What do you think, I, Mike? I, well, let, let's look at... There's a handful of reasons why the Chinese would want to go to war. So, well, I, uh, if you I identify those, prospect, then you die. Then, yeah, I could see reasons, like Taiwan. Uh, yeah. Which is that, an independent state. That, that's probably one of the biggest reasons, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the biggest reasons. But mm -hmm. uh, could they do it? I have doubts. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, so, I, like I said in the last episode, you know, China, I don't, uh, or Russia for that matter, I just don't believe that they have the infrastructure for a long drawn out, drawn out war. So, um, unfortunately, I, I do have to d disagree with you in that capacity. But I, I think first, let, let's identify kind of the root cause of what China's intentions are. So okay. first... I mean, any country in the world wants the ability and the power to be self-determinative. So have the ability to choose their own destiny, uh, as it were. Uh, much like in the same way that the US had the manifest destiny policy, the Chinese have the mandate of heaven. So um, the Chinese, you know, you guys talked about kind of the, the upbringing of the PRC and the upbringing of the CCP uh, a little bit last week, but <clears throat> I do kind of want to touch a little bit on China 2049 and the China dream. Um, but we can talk about that in a, in a little bit if you guys would like, but mm -hmm. the uh, any country wants to have the ability to determine their own future. And so China has several different focus areas that they, they want to achieve. Uh, the first of which, particularly for Xi Jinping, is... Um, you mean Winnie the Pooh? Yes, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. What did I say? I don't remember. So um, under Ch the China 2049 plan, China's modernization goals first, so there's two big, um, two big uh, goal points or goal posts. Uh, the first is tw at 2021, which of course is this year, 
um, which is 100 years after the uh, founding of the uh, Chinese Communist Party, which is important. <coughs> um, China had aimed to build a moderately prosperous society in all aspects. Uh, and under Xi Jinping, I, I would definitely say, and likewise, it's probably uh, fair to say that most of the international community would say that that has been successful at this point. Right now, the Chinese, for example, are on track to uh, overtake the U.S. economy by 2028. And by some of the numbers that I've run personally, that could potentially change to 2027 or even 2026. So we're looking at either uh, seven or eight years um, for sure, if not five or six years for the Chinese to now become the world economic powerhouse. In addition to that, <coughs> um, by 2049, the China 2049 plan, uh, the Chinese government aims to build a modern socialist country that is prosperous, strong, democratic, culturally advanced, and harmonious. So what's interesting is you find typically with many communist states uh -huh. that they reject modern democracy but somehow embrace uh, democratic ideals. And that's really what's made China successful over the, particularly the past 30 years. Uh, instead of being a, a country that has worked towards xenophobia and worked towards isolating themselves, they adopted some policies of capitalism and democracy and sort of liberalized in many capacities. And that's what's made them a, um, a huge player on the world market and really what's made them such a, a powerhouse in the Pacific. And so <laughs> when they try to use this mandate of heaven, you know, the Chinese feel as though they're entitled to take back what is rightfully theirs. So again, like Rico had mentioned in the past podcast, you saw this, he called it the century of, of shame more normally, it's called the century of humiliation. But right after the Opium Wars, um, uh, kind of towards the, the beginning of the, uh, the mid and early uh, 1800s, you saw this, this massive movement in the Chinese where, hey, we, we've been humiliated for the past 100 years. We need to restore ourselves to the Middle Kingdom uh, that we once were. And that, that's really what China 2049 is aiming to do, is restoring um, China as the middle kingdom, meaning yeah. that the middle kingdom is the center of the world as a whole. And so that's what they mean when they say they want to build a modern socialist country that is prosperous, etc. Mm-hmm. I hope that answers your question. No, it does. It's interesting. <laughs> I, I think one of the... It's... It's, it's really clever to what they're all the things we're talking about so far because it's less outright authoritarian um, certainly the direction they've gone it's much more well thought out and frankly I don't know what else word to describe it but subversive honestly yeah but um, you know like no country wants to go to war because especially now with the what's at stake is nobody wins and mm -hmm nobody really wins with uh, a war. I mean, the, frankly, the Chinese would win in a war against us. 
Uh, and I think that that's kind of the scariest thing. Can you stop sucking on that thing like it's a damn pacifier? No, I no. <laughs> God, you got an oral fixation there, buddy. <laughs> but <laughs> no, so like, um, to go to war, yes, the Chinese are willing to do so, but they understand the implication that war doesn't look good on an international scale, and war is not the best policy for one's economy what about long term like in the sense of or to be giving more context what about if they're in a situation where well put it this way i don't think they would want to directly attack the u.s mainland um for something because there's a rifle behind every blade of grass well, I meant like, as far as, I mean, my, my understanding of how modern warfare were like, not like in an invasion directly, but I meant more like using um, bombarding the U.S. mainland with uh, uh, intercon- uh, ballistic missiles, for example, and uh, nuclear missiles. I don't think they would want to do something like that, but um, my understanding of it would be that they would want to deter the U.S. enough to basically let them um, obviously take back Taiwan and then take back islands in the um the far east specifically in that particular area so what you're looking for is the first island chain which mm-hmm. is defined as taiwan okinawa um the ryuku islands and the korean peninsula as well as japan the second island chain would be the um, mariana islands including guam um, and I think there's a few Filipino islands in there and also Iwo 2, which is north of the Mariana Islands. Mm-hmm. So the first island chain and the second island chain is what you're looking for where those locations are. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah. it, realistically, they would probably, if they were <coughs> going to take over these countries, for example, like conquer them with uh, conventional military forces. Which they countries? Would go, uh, or, you know, Taiwan, um, mm. In a, in, a, in a global war situation, possibly Japan, um, South Korea, possibly North well, Korea. Well, you're. I think you're missing a few steps here. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the Chinese will suddenly bombard the U.S. Um, with intercontinental ballistic missiles, probably things will have to escalate to that point. Okay. So the, the Chinese for sure understand the um, implications of a overwhelming initial strike. And indeed, that is uh, something that they have most likely learned from us, mm-hmm. uh, i.e. Desert Storm, mm-hmm. RIP um, to everything that was not us <laughs> back in um, Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. But the... The, uh, the Chinese, uh, again, they can beat us in a, in a war. However, you have to understand that um, the Chinese will most likely try to get what they want economically first. So yeah. they're doing, uh, you see what they're doing with Hong Kong, where they are forcibly um, changing the population from a democratic society to a communistic one. Um, And I I would probably assume that something like that were to happen with Taiwan too, particularly because Taiwan has been losing allies 
and I would even say hemorrhaging. Thank you. I was about to make you uh, use the duck noise. <laughs> hemorrhaging allies uh, over the past two years. And so that's one was, way. Why has that been the case, by the way? Taiwan offers you $500. China offers you $10,000. Which one are you going to take? That's what, that's what I figured was the reason, yeah. Yeah, it, it all comes down to the green, baby. <laughs> anyway. It, it really is. So. Yeah. The one China or the one China policy is a policy that we as the U.S. have. However, back in the 1970s, we adopted a, a strategy of strategic ambiguity towards Taiwan. So, if there were indeed a contingency or a war with Taiwan, it would be up to the American people and Congress and our Commander in Chief to decide what our involvement will be. And um, as you mentioned and alluded to in uh, the last episode, Jake, uh, it, it might end up being similar to um, a Ukraine situation where we draw the line in the sand and then we choose not to do anything because that's just yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. how it works. Yeah. Do you, you know, it reminds me very, to make a brief uh, comparison, it almost reminds <laughs> me a little bit of during the Obama administration where before we gotten involved in Syria at all, um, when that conflict was heating up initially all those years ago, I think it was said, <clears throat> my, my understanding was that Obama was making it very clear we draw the line at something. And they kept saying, oh, you better not do this. You better not do this. I think it was chemical weapons was the line, if I recall correctly. You are correct. Yeah. And then Obama, and then they just kept doing it and then nothing was done. Um, it was just like the same kind of situation. Like you better not do that. And then, so I, I wonder if it would also kind of depend on largely who's in office as well. Um, like you were saying as well, what our response would be. Um, and, and well, our, uh, the, the benefit and the difficulty with us versus China is China has had their long-term plan in place because they understand, you know, our society is very much like, Ooh, shiny, ooh, shiny, ooh, shiny. What's that? What's this? TikTok, Vine, YouTube. 13-year-olds yeah. shaking their booties on, on yeah. whatever social media platform you want. We get yeah. distracted easily and we want results immediately. Whereas the Chinese understand that things take time. And that's why China, the, the China dream, China 2049, has been stretched out since the inception of the PRC back in 1949. Is a hundred-year plan. This is the fourteenth five-year plan. I'm sorry. Is it fourteenth four? Year? Sorry, it's been a long day. Yeah, I can understand that. And uh, uh, there is another thing I kind of wanted to get to. So uh, I just want to ask one last question on this topic. Mm -hmm. If Spike, if <coughs> you're the powers that be, what's our? If you were the powers that be, what's our response to China at this time? In the economic sense or in the military sense? Just, uh, well, we can agree that China in both senses is becoming a bit of a threat. Like even now I'm starting to become a little bit convinced. Well, I, I mean, I, I would I would say that China is a peer threat. They're no longer a near peer threat. In some capacities, they're actually beating us. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, like if you were the powers that be, what's our response? Well, and that's a very great question. Mm -hmm. um, 
the difficulty um, with determining that is it depends on the situation. Um, our benefit is that we have our allies in the Pacific. So we have India, we have the Philippines, kind of. Yeah, we have Australia, by a man Zealand. who brags about being like Hitler. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, Duterte has his own issues, but yeah, <laughs> you know, he'll throwing commies out of a helicopter who are his former friends we have other allies <laughs> that was Pinochet. other uh, allies <laughs> so our regional partners and strengthening those relationships will be how we deter um chinese aggression so basically um, kind of like containment like uh, sort of a containment policy no not necessarily because at this point there is no containing china there's been far too many countries that have signed on to the Belt and Road Initiative. The only thing that we can do, I mean, if you look at this as a big cat and mouse game, is we need to work on the U.S. And frankly, this is, uh, I think, it might be an unpopular opinion, but this is what Spike thinks. Um, we need to work on our own country to then start working towards um, becoming that leading edge of economic prosperity once again, because we've had all this time as the forerunner of the world, but in the past 30 years, we've kind of been messing it up. Uh -huh. So we, we ended up getting involved in the Middle East when we probably shouldn't have, and we ended up staying in the Middle East when we probably shouldn't have, and then we kind of built up this military-industrial complex which, hey, I get it, I'm a part of. But the problem is that in many capacities, the military industrial complex is a jobs program. So like Boeing, Raytheon, uh, other arms companies, Orbital ATK, Lockheed Martin, um, ULA, you name it. Like many of these companies are financially incentivized to not produce stuff. Um... And that's the big problem where we end up becoming like almost like a state capitalist society where those companies are encouraged to continue to um, mess up. Whereas the Chinese, the incentive is to make the country, make China great again. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think that's a really, really interesting point you make it because that absolutely makes perfect sense too. Um, I the, mean, especially the, the layman term, I'm sorry, the, the layman term is we need to just trim the fat. Yeah. One, uh, era, you don't know, even directly respond to that because it seems like the politicians we largely have, ha have had and continue to have in office are, oh boy, now that I'm in power, now that we played the power games, right? now I get to spend whatever I want. And then the other party takes over and then they can spend what they want. And that's their focus. It's well, how does it benefit me and my immediate allies, not what benefits the country right. as a whole. Exactly. And, that, and that's, the, that's the main problem is we need to look at what benefits America, not what benefits half of America or the other half of America. Yeah. Or even just the, even, or even just like the elites, of America, even in general, like, you know, the point I was going to make again a minute ago too, was almost in like, in just a purely um, <coughs> rudimentary way. It's in, in the, in the pure sense of like China incentivizes 
its businesses and its industries to keep producing more and more and more and to expand, right? Versus mm -hmm. our industry seems like they're more incentivized to not produce in a purely rudimentary way or in a purely just overly simplified way. It's almost in almost in that regard, it's almost as if China's more pro industry or pro pro business in that regard. Well, or not necessarily. So I don't want to say that they're better than us in that capacity. I mean, we do still have a capitalist society, which is a benefit to us because that's how you incentivize the masses. Mm -hmm. The difference is businesses in China usually have a business-centric uh, perspective, and naturally they want to make money. But many companies, uh, Tencent, for example, owned by the, the Chinese government and can be utilized by the Chinese government at any point. Mm. Almost like they can kind of step in and then do what they use them at their discretion kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, and uh, that, that's one of the, the difficulties. Yeah. Last question for you too. Um, thoughts Mike, on Mike, how are we doing on time? I don't mean to be disrespectful. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, we probably have time for one more question that I want to get yeah, to the clip is... and then we'll call it a night. Sounds cool. good. Yeah, I want to make sure I get to uh, <laughs> one of the viewer questions as well. Uh, this this last one here, it's a quick one. Um, thoughts on China having influence over American industries and businesses? Um, case in point might be the NBA censoring pro-Hong Konger sentiment or uh, John Cena effectively being controlled by the CCP for two examples. Um. I'm sorry, I guess I, I missed the question there. Well, the question is like thoughts on China having influence or power or in some ways indirect control over American businesses and industries such as the NBA, for example. I mean, people go where the money goes. Mm -hmm. If the money's in China, then sorry, we're number two. Yeah. Or pretty soon we will be. So, I, I mean, what do you, what do you do? Right? What What do you do, Mike? What do you do, Jake? What do you do? I would. I, I want you guys to fix the problems with America. Okay. In five minutes, go. He's using the knife hand. You notice? Yeah. So this is yeah. this is what people ask me. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I wore Heelys in high school. All right. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I like how he says this at the end of the conversation too. Okay, listen, <laughs> listen. Okay, you. So Rico talked about. I'm an intelligence analyst. I wore Heelys at Will you school? let him speak? <laughs> Honestly, they 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 said, "Hey, you wore Heelys in high school. Let's give you a top secret clearance and tell you the nation's secrets." And I said, "Why?" And they were like, "Well, because <laughs> those Heelys fuck." <laughs> And there's I'll, a duck quack. Listen, listen. So like Rico talked about A2 AD in um in the South China Sea. Mm -hmm. Um, not even that, but also the East China Sea. Anti-access area denial. Uh, anti-access meaning preventing US or coalition forces from moving into the area of responsibility or the AOR. Uh so you have the first piece, and then the area denial is preventing U.S. or coalition forces from producing operational effects within the AOR. 
So that means aircraft can't take off. That means uh, surface air missile systems can't function. POL or uh, petroleum oil lubricant tanks can't work because they have exploded. Um, mm -hmm. Runways aren't uh, serviceable. Um, barracks are destroyed, things like that. And so <clears throat> when you look at that from a positive or negative perspective, we're screwed. We screwed the pooch. Things aren't going well for us in that perspective because the Chinese are making the Pacific their backyard mm. and they're succeeding at it. And so that's why I'm, me as an intelligence analyst, that's why I'm concerned. I want better for our country because we have the ability to be that, um, to be that shining city on a hill. We have the ability to be that, but we need the right policies and we need to trim the fat and kind of get the, you know, the, these policies out of our legislature that are really preventing us from being a solid capitalist and democratic society that's able to deter um, Chinese aggression because, well, I mean, we have to look at it from the long game. Mm -hmm. China's been doing just about everything right for the past 30 years. And we need to start understanding that we're not gonna be number one anymore. Yeah, American exceptionalism doesn't doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, on that down note, uh, at least as far as we're handling it right hey, now. Hey, I tried to make it positive. All right. <laughs> hey, well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Out back. Uh, so anyway, so sort of shifting gears here. Still sort of on China. Uh, you know, suddenly everybody changing their mind. Now all of a sudden the Wuhan lab leak is suddenly a valid theory yeah it's interesting how that was like you know well, how the I, propaganda on that totally or the narrative on that totally shifted over it's like well we, we had a lot of evidence for it earlier and now we've got a, even more evidence of it now the mainstream's like okay now we have to admit that it's the case and it's like well okay anyway but you know and normally i, I don't like uh what late night comedy has become how does that tie in well John Stewart did this bit on Stephen Colbert's show, and the bit itself is actually only slightly funnier than Colbert's reaction. And Spike, I kind of want to get your raw reaction because I don't think you've seen the bit. I would assess not. So right. let's have a look. Let's see. And I'm not going to forget to share the sound this time. Right. I'm just going to bring it up and here we go. Now we're just I gonna. I haven't seen this bit either. Yeah, well, well, we're just gonna sit back and laugh, you know, uh, with you guys. So here we go. I, I, and I honestly mean this. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has, in many ways, helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic. Uh, which was more than likely caused by science. Well, Colbert got nervous. <laughs> he got really nervous. And that's kind of... Hold on a second. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'll, it's I'll, coffee. I wouldn't I'm, do that to you. I wouldn't for, do that to you. I'm so what, what do you takes, but what do you, what, 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 what do you mean by that? Do you mean like well, so this was perhaps was, this, there was a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an investigation? A chance? Well, if there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I just don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus 
overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease <laughs> is the same name as the lab. Center for virology. Uh, a little too weird, don't you think? And then they ask those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, no. I, you, you, the name of your lab, if you look at the name, look at the name, can I, let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab <laughs> in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it <laughs> into my chili and now we coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, wait, okay, wait, okay. wait a second, wait a second. He's still going. Yeah. Oh, he goes on for a good minute. Right, he, yeah. took, he, oh took over. he took over. Oh my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, <laughs> maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. <laughs> it's the <laughs> chocolate factory. <laughs> maybe that's it. That could be. That could be. That that could Sometimes. be. Sometimes. Gave them all tuberculosis. Yes. <laughs> that could that could very well be. And Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins and NIH have said like it should definitely be investigated. Don't stop with the logic and people and things. The no, name of the disease. Wait a second. Wait a second. The building. Wait a second. But I, I, it could be possible. You could be right. It could be possible that they have the lab in Wuhan to study the novel coronavirus diseases because. In Wuhan, there are a lot of novel coronavirus diseases because of the bat population sure, no, there. I understand. It's, it's like the saying, it's like, a wait local a second. specialty, mm -hmm. and it's the only place to find bats. You won't find bats <laughs> no, anywhere it's like else. Saying, oh, why? wait, Austin, Texas has thousands of them that fly out of a cave every night, every night at dusk. Is there a, a coronavirus, an Austin coronavirus? No, it doesn't seem to be an Austin coronavirus. <laughs> Coronavirus we have is in Wuhan. <laughs> yes, where they have a lab called what's the lab called again, Stephen? <laughs> Wuhan Novel Coronavirus Lab. I believe that's uh -huh. the case. And now, how long for Senator Center Rob? Virology? The only one in China. This is not a conspiracy. Here's it, the thing it, about science. A, you could be right. Here's, you could be right. But this is the problem with science. Science is incredible. But they don't know when to stop, and nobody mm. in the room with those hats ever goes, yeah, I don't know if we should do that. Like, a few I years agree, back. I agree with you. If science can do it, they will do it. They will do it. They're like, oh, curiosity killed the cat. Oh, okay, well, let's kill 10,000 cats to find out why. And you're like, that's what science does. They, they push things. They, they do the thing like, okay, listen to this. So a few years back. You know we stopped filming a lot. I understand time that. I love how he just tries to get him to shut up, but they're actually still rolling. Yeah. What do you think of that? Sometimes, you know, I, sometimes the simplest answer mm -hmm. is indeed the correct one. The correct one. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you know, I, 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 
there there's a lot of things I could say. And there's a lot of things that I could say that would put me in jail. And I don't want to get put in jail. So listen. If the shoe fits, <laughs> then the shoe fits. I don't get why it's so hard to just think, wow, that's a that's a crappy situation. A bat just fell into my soup. Yeah, a, a bat which was hibernating. What was it? Five hundred miles away. Listen, just everything's messed up, man. All right. <laughs> it is indeed. Ig- ignorance is bliss. All right. Certainly in our generation. Uh, ignorance. I have a million. All right. <laughs> just. Just stop Googling things, all right? Just stop Me? Googling. Google? Never. Just, I use DuckDuckGo. Well, uh, well, yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> spoken like a man who has information that could lead to the rest of Hillary Clinton. All right. <laughs> hey, hey, don't say that. I, I want to live to see my 28th birthday. I was talking about him, man. <laughs> anyway. He didn't deny it. I'm all. Oh, God. Anyway. I think that's it for tonight, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, and I think we'll just nix the book quote if you don't already have one. I do. Let me grab the book. Give me 15 seconds. You can count. You're not counting, Mike. How the fuck does he know I'm not counting? Got it right here. I'm still on time. Okay. Got it right here. All right. And this is from... Oh, I wasn't going to quote that one, but oh, oh. it's a, it is from the same book as a man thinketh. And it is, quote, a man cannot directly choose his circumstances, but he can choose his thoughts. And so indirectly, yet surely shape his circumstances. Indeed. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Yeah, go ahead. What, what does that mean to you? Um what you decide to fixate on and give energy to right becomes the thing damn that's crazy uh hey everybody thanks for letting me be on tonight i think (laughs) you guys are fantastic it's been a wonderful time thank you guys hey thank you thank you for joining us there spike and we'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning into this to this episode that's the whole reason why he asked (laughs) And another part of my soul just fell off. And the outro starts playing. We love you guys. Hug to Ponum. Hey, folks, if you like our podcast, be sure to check us out on Facebook and also check us out on our podcast platforms, namely Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, and others you can also find on Anchor. God bless.